What does the Holy Family mean for our family today? Hi, I'm Andy Bates. You're listening to Faith and Family. Thanks so much for joining us today. And thanks to our friends at Concordia University, Wisconsin, for supporting this program, making Faith and Family possible. Find out more about them on our website, kfuo.org. Look for Concordia University, Wisconsin in the sponsor section. Up first, we'll revisit a conversation with Pastor Joshua Shear on the Holy Family. What does the Holy Family mean for us today? What can we learn from the Holy Family? And certainly, uh, as we learn how they cared for Jesus. And in the following segment, a chance to check in with Pastor Whedon, learn about his new book, Thank, Pray, Serve, and Obey, Recovering the Joys of Piety. Hope you can stick around for all of it right here on The Messenger of Good News. Pastor Shear up first. Good morning, Pastor Shear. Good morning, Andy. Uh, I thought we'd talk about the Holy Family, talk about Jesus' earthly family. God has designed the family as the institution into which we are born and nurtured. Obviously, there are uh, some exceptions to that. Uh, sometimes uh, uh, the families into which we are born are not the families in which we are always nurtured. Um, but uh, for the most part, this is this is God's design for, for families. This is how he design families. We're born into a family, we're nurtured into that family. And uh, so what does this mean then when we talk about Jesus, the Son of God? Uh, he's given uh, an earthly family. Uh, as we look at the creed, he is he's true man, uh, he's true God and true man. Um, what does this mean that Jesus is born into an earthly family? Let's, let, let's start with his earthly mother, Mary. What, uh, what do we know about Mary? Well, I would I would first say that it's 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 a wonderful thing that he's born into an earthly family that the normal order that God puts in the fourth commandment that that Jesus right away becomes a part of that of course he's going to be actively righteous throughout his life fulfilling the commandments doing them perfectly and so uh, we see that in his life and in his interactions with his mother and his stepdad uh, Joseph the guardian of Jesus um, but just the ordinariness of it that God does miraculous and wonderful things through ordinary means. Hmm. Uh, so families become, uh, and, and Jesus becoming a part of a family kind of sets all families apart. That, you know, our Lord, our Lord himself became a part of a family, and he took on a, a mother, and he had a, an earthly father, uh, of course not biological father, but uh, definitely the head of the household, head of the family, uh, Joseph would have been. So with Mary... Um, Luther uh, talks a little bit about Mary sometimes. He says, you know, Mary's name, you know, Jewish names, as you remember from the Old Testament, there's a lot of, the names have significance to a situation or the, the situation in Israel at the time or maybe a family situation. And, and Mary is simply Miriam, which is like bitter myrrh. Hmm. And so her name alone could, could give some kind of semblance to, you know, times for Israel at, at the time of Jesus' birth, it's not real good, you know. They've been, they've been conquered. They they've been, you know, occupied by the Romans. Uh, things are not going well. And, and besides that, religiously, uh, you you've got figures like Herod and and the, the the whole Pharisee and and Sadducee mess that's going on. It's just kind of a bad situation. And so you have this this younger woman. Uh, we don't know the exact age of Mary when when this happens for her. When Gabriel approaches her and things like that. But she's of the house of David, so she's and she's got royal blood in her. But she's an ordinary and common um, girl. She's she's of of low estate by her own confession to the to the angel, that uh, that she is uh, she's lowly, um, and yet she's a believer. Um, you know, let it be let it be done to me according to your word. 
uh, is a wonderful statement of faith that uh, she submits to God's word out of faith in God's word, that, that he's going to do some marvelous things and that he has chosen her, um, who's just a lowly, uh, common woman, young woman of that day and age. And so, you know, another key thing to note about Mary is that she's a virgin. And this is, of course, in fulfillment of what the prophet Isaiah spoke about, the mother of the Messiah in Isaiah chapter 7, that a virgin shall conceive and give birth. And so Mary has to be qualified always as the virgin Mary. And uh, that is of huge importance because that's fulfillment of Scripture itself, that's the sign. So. And this time of year, I can only hear the music of Handel as you were sharing, as you were speaking. That uh, <laughs> I can hear exactly. Handel's Messiah in, in ringing in the, the in, in the back of my head. Uh, the, that's exactly what the that music is all about. It tells this uh, the history, the the truth uh, that Jesus is born to Mary, a, a virgin. This is fulfillment of a, a prophecy, the, the prophecy. Um, yeah. What else do we know about Mary? Uh, so she's she's a, a faithful uh, woman, a faithful Jewish woman with a, a lineage too. What, what is significant about? Um, well, she's she's of the lineage. house of she's of the house of David. So mm-hmm. she's she like I said, she's got royal blood, um, which is important for, of course, fulfilling the prophecies about where Jesus is going to come from. Uh, Joseph also will be from the house of David. That's why they end up in Bethlehem for the registration, uh, for the tax. You know, something else about Mary that's really important to realize is when she opens up her mouth and sings the Magnificat, the Magnificat is like a whole collection, a compilation of Old Testament songs, Hmm. and her song is added to it. And so she shows by that that she is a uh, well-versed woman of faith that she knows the scriptures, she knows the songs of the scriptures, and so she sings them, she makes them her song as well, um, when she sings the praise of God, the God who's going to now work through her to bring about the Savior. And uh, just a, a wonderful testimony to the fact that, you know, here you have this humble and meek, and, and throughout the scriptures you always get that picture of Mary. She She's not one who is is forward or brash, but she is the picture of, of modesty and, and meekness. And uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful image of womanhood and then motherhood as well. And as, as, as Jesus being her child, it, it, when it comes to uh, Jewish tradition, Jewish custom, it, who your mom is and where your mom comes from has something, uh, is something significant, isn't it, in, in, in that tradition in that day? Yeah, absolutely. It would be important. Um, your whole lineage is important for mm-hmm. a Jew. That's why we have, uh, you know, entire chapters of the Bible dedicated to long lists of names that you often, you know, skip over because it's just a long list of such and such begat and such and such begat. <laughs> but that's all record keeping for the sake of the Messiah. That that in these things we find the lineage of Jesus, and we of course have that in Luke chapter three and, and Matthew chapter one. Uh, two different kinds of lineages spoken of regards to Jesus. And well, so you see that. Well, it's not the easiest to read aloud <laughs> when you read all the begats. Uh, it, it is still significant. It's still Im- important, as you pointed out, the, uh, because this lineage is important. And anything else about Mary before we go on to talk about Joseph? Um, just that, you know, she remains the mother of our Lord throughout uh, throughout all of Scripture there. 
Um, you know, she's entrusted to John's safekeeping and uh, at the crucifixion. And we see her as, as a, you know, important figure in uh, the church, as she should have uh, an important figure. This is not, of course, an endorsement to, to pray to her or anything like that, but this is to place her exactly where Scripture places her, that, that she was chosen by God himself uh, to be the mother of our Lord. And that is a, a good thing, and it's a, it's a wonderful thing that God chose and had mm-hmm. found favor, you know, that she found favor, grace in the eyes of God. Um, to, be, so. to be given this important, this noble duty, this, this uh, important and noble task to carry uh, Jesus uh, in the womb and to, to raise him, to nurture him as a mother would. Absolutely. As, as, absolutely. And that's, that's kind of Joseph's story as well. Well, and let's talk about Joseph. What do we know about Joseph uh, prior to becoming uh, guardian of Jesus? What do we know about him from the scriptures? Well, prior prior to becoming the guardian of Jesus, we we uh, we find very little. And of course, Joseph's kind of one of those figures that he's there for the birth of Jesus. He's there for the the escape into Egypt. He's there for the presentation of the temple. He's there as twelve year old Jesus. Uh, you know stays in the temple while the family's heading home, and then they realize they've, you know, left their son. Um, and uh, and then we don't hear about Joseph much, um, other than uh, other people referencing him. Mm-hmm. That, you know, when, when Jesus goes back to Nazareth, uh, is this not Joseph's son? Is this not the carpenter's son? Um, so we know from Joseph that he's, he's of the house of David. Um, that's Matthew. Uh, Matthew's genealogy expressly says that, that he comes from the house of David. Um, important there. Uh, we know he was a carpenter because of the testimony of those who rejected Jesus, who just looked at Jesus as, hey, that's the carpenter's son. So um, it says that he was a just man in Matthew, um, which would mean he's a devout and believing man. And uh, he has a real genuine love for Mary. Um, this is evident in his, his wanting to, even before he hears from the angel, he, he thought of putting her away quietly. Uh, he, he, he cares about Mary. Uh, he doesn't want to uh, destroy her or her reputation, uh, but wants to do it quietly. But then he's a believer, and so the angel shows up, the angel of the Lord shows up and tells him what's going on. And he, and he, and he takes the angel for the word. And he, he takes on Mary and the word of the angel, and, and that, of course, the word of the angel is also that beautiful word where the angel tells Joseph that you'll name him mm-hmm. Jesus because he'll save his people from his, their sins. So this is a wonderful thing. Uh, we know he's from the from Nazareth, uh, which is a podunk, out-of-nowhere <laughs> town that, you know, small, insignificant. There's no mention of the town of Nazareth in the Old Testament. So, um, you know, this is a, he's from Galilee. And you know from the rest of the New Testament that Galilee is kind of regarded as this, uh, you know, it's, a, it's the backwoods, you know, <laughs> Acts chapter 2 kind of stuff. Who are these Galileans and why are they speaking to us in their own language? You know, uh, that kind of stuff. Let's... Um, we, yeah, we, we just get a, a sense then, you know, afterwards mm-hmm. that he, he doesn't have a lot of means. You know, when they go to the mm-hmm. temple, they bring Jesus in uh, to be presented and purify Mary. They bring turtle doves, which is the, the lowest, uh, poorest form of offering brought into the temple. So that gives significance to the fact that, you know, he, he didn't have a whole lot of money. 
Let's talk about. Let's go back and talk about his relationship to Mary. You pointed out very clearly that uh, that he he loves Mary. He respects her. He wants to take care of her. Let's talk about their relationship at the time uh, that uh, Mary discovers, learns that she is um, that she is with child. Uh, what is the status of their relationship? If they were on Facebook today, what would their status be? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, whether the saints would be on Facebook, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> no, their, their status would be, as, as the scriptures say, that they're betrothed. And now, now that's an archaic word for us nowadays. The only similar word would be engaged, but it doesn't mean anything close to what we have today of engagement. Uh, betrothal in, in those days was something that could only be revoked by divorce. And so it's, it's marriage in our eyes. And so, But it's, it's marriage without any uh, relations or anything like that, any intimacy. And so a betrothal happens, and in a, a lot of marriages, uh, most marriages in those days were arranged. So they were set up ahead of time. Uh, you know, there's not like a, a dating and, and those kind of things. It was more set up by families, mm-hmm. um, and which is not necessarily a bad thing. I know today, in today's day and age, we, we love the whole romantic love thing. and um, But given how it's fared for marriages, um, yeah. I, I, There's a little difference there. I have to say, I was uh, visiting a, a, a touristy type venue one time, and they were trying to depict this relationship of Joseph and Mary, and to to try to convey that Joseph cared for Mary in the way that you were describing earlier. They they really, I think, they imposed the our our modern views on relationships on the whole story, and so it was this really cheesy love story <laughs> and as i was observing it thinking i'm not really sure that that's how I, you know I, I felt like it was imposing more in the scriptures than was really there um saying more than what we really know about that relationship uh it was uh, certainly using uh poetic and creative license yeah to- we, we have that problem nowadays we, we think our times are always the ones that we need to read into the past and as as a historian myself uh, i just uh yeah that's that's a no-no um the, the arranged marriages of those days um could there be romantic love absolutely uh you know that more than anything you see that that kind of love grow in the marriage itself mm-hmm. and uh you know it, it's only in recent times in the western world that we've had the uh the luxury of of dating and so forth if you want to call it a luxury um <laughs> some folks would definitely not call it that <laughs> Um, so you would you would get married in those days in your mid-teens, although it was very common for the man to be older. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that tradition would say that Joseph was much older. Um, Mary would still be younger, so in her mid-teens. Um, that you'd make this contract, you'd make this betrothal, and it was, it was binding. And it would involve uh, the groom giving something to the bride's father as a, kind of a reverse dowry. Um, it would involve, you know, to to offset his losing a daughter in his house, mm-hmm. um, and they would have this betrothal period, and the betrothal was always longer than nine months, uh, for obvious reasons, <laughs> uh, to make sure that you know no children were there. And of course, this is the scandal of of Mary being with child that Joseph has to deal with, is that you know she she's breaking the betrothal, um, that that this is. This is why betrothals were supposed to be longer, so that way we could prove that there was nothing like that going on. And so this is why it, it upsets Joseph. Um, 
But yeah. And then, of course, the wedding thing, we just heard that in our lessons from Scripture at the end of the church here, the, the wedding feast, and you have, you know, a typical Jewish wedding would be the groom has been preparing a household for his bride, and he gets together with his friends, and they go, and they meet the bride and her friends halfway, and they, they take, you know, her to her new home, and, and there you have... Um, the wedding feast. Hmm. So um, some beautiful things there that can happen. Of course, in Joseph and Mary's situation, that's all altered um, by uh, the appearance of Jesus on the scene. And so as you mentioned earlier, that now that Mary is with child, and this is, is scandalous, this creates a problem um, in their relationship as they are betrothed. So that so as you mentioned earlier joseph uh seeks to quietly divorce her but god's plan is is uh well well certainly god is greater than us and 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 so his plan he he works it out even in in the midst of this scandal he still makes it it it, it work uh so that jesus can so that jesus is born into this family absolutely he makes it work because this family is going to be the family that jesus is raised in uh, that he's guarded by. I mean, you know, Jesus truly becomes fully human, and so, uh, guess what? He's he's really a helpless little infant, uh, you know, that mm-hmm. that requires full assistance of the parents to be taken care of, and so he needs his mother, and and he needs a protector like Joseph to be his his father, and and so you have this all work out based upon the words of the angels to these believers, Joseph and Mary, and these believers uh, listen to the word, they believe the word, and, and their actions follow that word. And so Joseph listens to the angel uh, when he says it's okay to marry, to take Mary as your wife. He listens to the angel when he says, hey, get up and go to Egypt because Herod's coming after you. Uh, Joseph does these things. Joseph also is a believer in that he knows what is right to do by his family. And so he makes sure that Jesus is circumcised. He makes sure that, you know, the purification presentation happens according to the custom and laws of Moses. Uh, and then he makes sure that as we, as we find out in, in Luke, that he raises Jesus in the faith. And they go to temple every year for Passover. And, and so Joseph is a big portion of this, of, of providing this structure, providing this, uh, this goodness, this safe haven as our Lord is growing in wisdom and strength and stature amongst men, as Luke would put it. Uh, so we have this great, wonderful thing that Joseph is. You know, something I think is important to realize with Joseph is he bears this in his reputation, um, you get little snippets of this throughout the scriptures, especially in John 8, where the Jews are, are attacking Jesus, and their line of argumentation is, well, we know who our Father is. And and the, the subtlety of the insult there, uh, that could be easily that, you know, we've heard about your situation of your mm-hmm. birth, Jesus. And... Uh, and, you know, this is something that Joseph takes on. I mean, he may have the word of the angel as he's taking Mary to Bethlehem, but that probably doesn't stop much of the snickering. It, implying uh, that, that Jesus is, is a fatherless child. Right. Hmm. That, 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 he is, that he's an a illegitimate child mm-hmm. uh, born out of wedlock, so to speak. Uh, you know, you have all those things. You have the, 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 the reputational things, the shame associated with that. You also have Joseph, you know, a broken betrothal is, is a violation of the Sixth Commandment. And so when he finds that Mary's with child, he's, he's tempted, of course, to that Mary has, has fallen in with another, that, that you know, he, he, 
he could feel betrayed that, hmm. that another man has sure. ca- taken captive uh, Mary. And and so uh, I, I read a great sermon by that by David Peterson recently in his uh, book of Advent and and Christmas sermons. And it's his sermon for Christmas Eve. And it's a wonderful sermon about Joseph as far as uh, what he went through in this time of finding out Mary's with child and then finding out that uh, it's from God and this is the Savior and and all the things that are associated with that. What can we learn from Mary and Joseph and Jesus as as a family? What uh, what can we learn from them? I think as a, as a family, um, you have to look at you know the Word of God. Joseph and Mary are both pictures of hearing the Word of God, knowing the Word of God, believing the Word of God, and their lives conform to that Word of God. You see that in all the times that they they make sure that everything happens the right way. Um, for the infant Jesus and so forth, you just have this wonderful picture of faithfulness and humility and submission that in the eyes of the world, certain things are going to look really bad and they're going to be, you know, looked down upon. And, but yet they, they respond by faithfulness, uh, regardless of the cost. And then you have, of course, uh, this, is, this is Jesus being mm-hmm. born. This is, this is the Savior of the world. And so that God entrusts to them safekeeping. Um, for us as families, it, it's wonderful because God sanctifies family life by making Jesus a part of family. And he sets it apart. It's, it's, a, it's a holy and wonderful thing uh, that, that God has is so honored family by becoming a part of one. And then, of course, we have all the language that God uses mm-hmm. within the church of family language, that we have this family called the body of Christ and uh, and yet in, within that we also have our households, our families at home, uh, wife and children, good gifts from God, and uh, sanctified gifts from God because God himself took up residence in a family. With just a, a little time left, uh, why is it, and you, you've already pointed much of this out, why is it significant or even important that Jesus be born in human flesh into a family? Why Why the incarnation? Why... Uh, why is it important that Jesus be born uh, into human flesh? Simply put, to save us, he has to be one of us. So as we... That, that, mm-hmm. that he has to become fully like us um, in, any, in every way except without sin. And, and he just, he has to take that upon himself to be our actual substitute, to be our vicar, uh, as we call it in the vicarious atonement, that he has to stand in our place. And to do that, he has to be one of us. So as we look uh, look to the manger uh, at, at the nativity of our Lord, uh, we see this true God, true man, uh, as one pastor put it in his sermon, Jesus wore diapers for Christmas. Absolutely. He's, he's, yeah, truly a baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the things associated with it without the sin. So, so the question of whether or not he cried a lot, uh, it would be a good question because <laughs> crying comes from fear, and, and he wouldn't have had fear. Uh, he would have had perfect trust in God for all things. So that's an interesting question. I will say the whole nativity story is beautiful because it, of course, uh, you bring heaven to earth. You have the, the Lord of heaven himself there in the manger. You have the angels all around. Uh, you have the choirs and everything that you picture in Revelation in heaven. That comes to earth right there outside of Bethlehem with mm-hmm. the shepherds and so forth. And it can happen because... Jesus is born. And the fact that he's born means that the crucifixion, resurrection, it's all guaranteed. That, that this is all set in place. It is as good as done. 
And so we, we see that uh, already at Christmas time, that God the Father acknowledges that by bringing heaven right to earth. His true God, true man in the manger, what does this mean then as we look to the cross as well? Well, it looks to, looks to the cross that it's true God and true man on the cross, that, that uh, true God and true man coming out of the tomb, that he is still true God and true man even today as he prepares a place for us and rules over all things in his ascension. Uh, but as a cross, you know, he, that, that you can properly say that God died on the cross, uh, that, that, you know, he, he's fully man and so he fully dies, but since of the incarnation, the, the, the mysterious union of the two natures of Jesus, that you can still say that God dies, uh, that this, of course, is a great offense to those who uh, don't understand that teaching of Scripture, but that this is something that's wonderful and marvelous, that God himself would lower himself so far as to be a baby, but then God himself would lower himself so far as to take on the curse that he never deserved, but that we deserved, and he takes on the curse of death, the full punishment of sin, uh, stuff he never earned, but mm. stuff he was willing to lower himself down and to take on upon himself uh, for our good. And of course, that's we celebrate at Christmas time, Good Friday, every Sunday, every day of the church here. Uh, we celebrate that because this is, this is what we are as Christians, people for whom Christ died. Reverend Joshua Shear, Senior Pastor at Our Savior Lutheran Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Pastor Shear, thanks for being our guest on Faith and Family today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. University, Wisconsin, and Mequon overlooks a half mile of beautiful Lake Michigan shoreline. CUW campus is located 15 miles north of Milwaukee with over 70 undergraduate majors, 28 graduate degree programs, and doctorate programs in pharmacy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and nursing practice. CUW offers online learning and accelerated learning at one of nine Wisconsin centers and one in St. Louis. Traditional or accelerated education, CUW has the program for you. CUW.edu.